listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. This is The Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Ladies and gentlemen, we are hearing your feedback that our delay is getting worse. We are attempting to use new software today. And we all know how new software, new technology works for the vast majority of people. So if there are hiccups or anything, I'm going to do my best to sort it out on the back end. So one of my New Year's resolutions is to improve the technical aspects of this podcast. And so today is, is step one. So we're going to see how this goes, Kirk. We have some big things in the work on the back end, Bracken. Bracken and I are planning a powwow, just a, just a Bracken and Kirk weekend to, to really, what would you say, work on improving our production and offerings and trajectory of the running public. So we're getting together for a training man love fest weekend, but mostly focused on the running public. So we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're working through some stuff and I'll tell you what, it's frustrating because my dang computer is the problem. I think it's my computer. I'm the problem. Don't you agree? I do. Um, not you, but your, your setup is yes. I don't know if it's computer. We do know that where you're located, there is one internet offering outside of going like Starlink or satellite based internet. We're going to explore all options this year, but there has to be a setup that we can optimize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I combed, I combed every uh, option possible, and they had to run a new line to my house. And da, da, da. now I know those of you that listen to Race Brain, you know, heard Jack Bauer complain about his internet forever. So I won't give you that story, but I'm just far enough out of the city, and I'm in this like gray zone where providers don't cross. It's like basically I got to pull a provider from the sticks in to give me my internet service. I can't pull a provider from out of the city, you know, the good internet Mm. to give me my service. So it's just one of those things. But anyways, where are we going with this? That's just an intro. There may be hurdles today. There may be stumbles, but we're, we're, we're working on things. We are exploring the next frontier of the running public. And that begins today with a topic of your own creation basically summed up for you before you do the summary of it or the introduction, mm-hmm. which is winter does not have to be a detriment to your fitness. I mean, you said it. That's, you know, I think this topic came to mind for a couple of reasons. One, I don't know about you, but in the last couple of weeks, maybe the last month, the weather has been a theme I've been stuck on the treadmill has been a theme. I'm out in the snow and my metrics are slow and crappy has been a theme. People being sick and their training being compromised is a theme. And there's sort of this underlying like ho-hum to this time of year, this bah humbug to my fitness being like, well, I'll just wait till spring to get in shape for real. No, you fool. This is important right now. And I think you can build your best fitness is going to either happen from what you do now or build off of what you do now. And so we don't wave the white flag. We don't make excuses. We find a way, right? And there's like a lot of avenues to explore in winter training. And so I think it just came top of mind to me because I'd been sick. I'm still not quite back to 100%. It's been a month, almost five weeks since I've done my out, an outdoor quality session on flat terrain. And I went out today after I would call a compromised period of training, a lot of indoor work, it wasn't so bad. My fitness hasn't taken that big of a hit. And in fact, some of the constellation work I've been doing might end up propelling my fitness further forward mm-hmm. come spring. And so that's how it came to a head. And I thought we should chat that out today. Yeah. In this, the United States right now, and I, it's probably not unique to United States, but that's where we live. And that's where probably what 80% of the athletes we work with live currently. The United States is being hit with atypical weather. And so it's cold across the board and there's precipitation across the board. And so where we are in the Midwest, we're getting very cold, very, very high winds and a lot of snow. But then even like today, I was talking to Matt Duhan out in California, and they're expecting five inches of rain. 
and people are worried about flooding. And we all know the trail systems out there, like they don't handle water well. They have erosion that occurs. And so people are thrown off of their normal training cycle right now. And the there's like two temptations, right? First temptation is to say, I will never use a treadmill because I'm not weak or I hate the treadmill or I don't want to rely on the treadmill. Or the other is to say, I'm just going to turn on a show and run on the treadmill and just let this all pass. And then I'll get back to work. And what we're here to say is that it doesn't have to be one or the other. I will never use the treadmill or I will just get through it on the treadmill until real training resumes. There is a middle ground, which is that you can get through winter with purpose and build actual fitness or actual base without having to hate it and without having to give something up. Yeah. And not, not only that, but I mean, years ago, two, three years ago, we did an episode on this time of year, kind of um, working your weaknesses, so to speak. There's probably the largest gap in your race schedule has probably been somewhere November, December through, let's say, February, March, just for the majority of our listeners. And so you don't want to sacrifice your in-season training to focus on weaknesses because races are right around the corner or there's one next week. But right now, and we're getting there for some series and events, races are coming up. But nonetheless, like you also have that work your weaknesses uh, side of the conversation as well, which I think should be brought to the surface right now. Yes. Um, I do want to pose a question to you right off the bat, and I want, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Okay. Because the first point I want to make is like throw metrics out the window, first of all. Like, like don't get over consumed with your pacing on something, let's say, if the conditions aren't proper or the terrain isn't solid or whatever it is. But I've just formulated an opinion today, I believe, on... <laughs> When does temperature actually affect your training metrics? When does cold actually start impacting you negatively? Yeah. What do you think? Well, we talked about this a little bit last week or the week before in that I think it is very personal because they're they're like the optimal weather uh, people out there with running who have these charts that say how much you degrade with weather getting hotter or colder. I don't believe I abide by those charts because I have data points in different sort of weather, different types of weather that say that I don't degrade in certain weather. So like, for example, uh, I posted an Instagram video for the first time in a long time this weekend. I did a run. It was 11 degrees out, but it was negative five with wind chill. And I got in the woods on the trail, which we talked about is five to 10 degrees warmer because it gets rid of the wind chill. But I did six by 1200 on the trail, uphill and downhill. Slight uphill, slight downhill. And I got every ounce out of that workout. I, over the winter, my senior year, going into my last year of college uh, track, I was doing 200s, 400s, 800s, 1000s, 1200s, four mile tempo, six mile cutdowns all winter long. Single digit temperature, sometimes below zero. I'm the type of person that if I bundle my face up enough, within three or four days of getting used to it, my lungs are adapted and I can get most out of my workouts as long as I'm above zero. Once it starts getting below, it's iffy to get into like that VO2 max range. But for me, I can run quality work outside. I actually lose less in the cold than I will lose in a quality workout in the extreme heat or humidity. So I actually don't have a hard and fast rule other than you'll never know until you start testing it out. Because for a while, I was adverse to winter running. And then I found out I like it. And then I found out I like doing quality work in the winter. So 10 degrees? You believe for yourself 10 degrees or over, you can go out and expect to see the same metrics as you would on a 70-degree summer day? I think I'm within... hard and fast rules. I think I'm within five seconds per mile, 10 degrees through 70. I think... Yeah, let's just say that. I do also believe that I can get the heart rate benefit all the way down to zero that I would get all the way up to 70. I'll lose pace a little bit more, but I can still get the cardiovascular system cranking. Yeah. The tricky thing is when it gets cold, you start to get clothing restrictions. Like if you have layers on, if you have things like that, like it will impact your efficiency in some capacity, right? Just like the layering effect. at least. And that's where we differ a little bit. Um, Like that run, I was in a pair of windproof briefs and fleece leggings. Yeah. I mean, fleece, that'll, that'll do the trick, right? 
Yeah. And I didn't need, that was negative five. I didn't need more. Like I was unencumbered in my legs. Like people who have to bundle up more are going to lose. I think that's part of it is I don't have to wear a ton if my hands and face are fine. Yeah. Well, what I'm actually getting, this is sort of the, I'd like to set up the rest of our conversation with saying, with this conversation being metrics still matter in the winter if the circumstances are correct. We don't just throw them completely out the window. And that's not the direction of the entirety of this conversation. In fact, we're going to spend way more time talking about metrics not mattering Mm -hmm. than mattering. But to just preface, I'm somewhere about 15 to 20 degrees I think I can run 5K-ish pace or slower, which is actually pretty quick. If you're really fine-tuned in the 5K, that that's a pretty quick turnover, in my opinion, for whatever your ability is. Mm-hmm. I think 5K pace or slower, um, I think you should expect to hit your metrics. You walk out the door, it's 20 degrees, and it's a calm day, right? Winter wind seems exponentially more yes. detrimental to you. But 20 degree, 15, 20 degrees, it's a calm day. By calm, my... My standard is nine miles an hour wind or less. That means it's a green light for time trialing. Metrics matter. If I'm in double digit winds, I'll take that into account. But nonetheless, metrics matter. Clean terrain, snow is off the ground. Or if you're in the southern part of the country, you know, you guys get to run on clean terrain most of the year. But I think metrics still matter. So there are workouts that are important. If you're measuring your fitness and want real checks, they're still applicable right now. And I just thought prefacing the entire Mm -hmm. conversation before we dive down the other end of the rabbit hole you know, is important. I was able to hit my first quality session. Like I said, out in a while today, the wind was like four miles an hour and it was 27 degrees. When you see those, we we warmed up. And when I saw that, I said, okay, here's an actual chance for me to get a real snapshot of where I'm at Mm -hmm. base. And, you know, I've run in snowy trail runs the last two weekends on the treadmill a ton after coming off of COVID and not coming around. Well, I got a real accurate snapshot. So we got to take our moments, point B. Yeah. We can move on from that part of the conversation. Maybe you have more to add to that, but I just wanted to make sure that metrics still matter, but there's a lot of asterisks. Yeah, I think this episode is about two things. It's about a prodding, like a push in the back to some people, and it's permission to other people. Yeah. So this starting right here is permission to still go run things that are metric-based in the winter. You can. You can. And I think you touched upon the times it doesn't work, and that is footing and wind. I don't care about the temperature as much as I care about the footing. It can be 35 degrees out, but if that is a snow melt that's happening right then and you get that that slick, glazed, a little bit of water on top, like your feet are going out on every single purposeful stride, slipping out a little bit, that is useless to me. So on those days, I'm not chasing it. Like you said, wind. Wind crushes you in winter. Pace no longer is useful on those days. But if the wind and the footing is fine, you have permission to work hard in the cold up until that point where your personal level is where your lungs will be negatively impacted by the cold air. You got to stay away from that. But yes, you can run fast in the winter and that is okay to do. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of footing, this is a, a by the way. Um, do you know what I did? Uh, when I was home for Christmas about, well, it'd be just a month ago is I brought home two pairs of shoes. I brought home a pair of alpha flies, older ones that have been pretty beat up. And I brought home a pair of speed goats and I went out the door in my alpha flies and I was like, well, I think I sh- I need to do something of a little higher tempo. So I think I'm just going to stick to the roads, whatever. Anyways, I came across this trail system while wearing my alpha flies. This is near my mother's boyfriend at 20 years house. That's where we stay when we go home now. And I was like, you know what? Like, I, I really want to go on those trails, but I'm wearing my alpha flies. So I hooked a hard right and I spent the next nine miles on the trails in my alpha flies. Hey. Speaking of footing, that might be my new favorite trail shoe, Bracken. No. <laughs> I'm telling you what. Is there was some mud sections and some melt, and then it was game over. My descending was terrible, but holy smokes, I still think the return on the alpha fly, if you can run large sections of flat, which most of the trail racing around here is, mm-hmm. just say there's going to be a little experimenting with my alphas on the trails coming up. I just wanted to tell you. I meant I like to tell that. you off air, but anyways, footing, alphas, they work. On yes. Race Brain, two weeks ago, Rich and I did a solo episode without Jack. He had mouth surgery or something. And we did it all about shoes. He was gone. We just ran wild. It's the same thing I do when you're gone. I'm just going to talk uh-huh. about shoes. 
But we yeah. were talking about that super shoes for the trails is all about balancing the equation to how, what percentage of the of the train do I get to use the reward, the benefit of the shoe versus how much can't I access it for? And then mm-hmm. make your decision. Is it a net positive or no? And that's interesting that with the alphas. The alpha threes will be very interesting because they're now not decoupled. They're a smooth mm-hmm. surface on the bottom, but with some actual little bit of grip. That might be mm-hmm. your baby. We'll see. Anyways, that's very tangential. Um, yes. I think you were you finished with your point there. I could have interrupted. I don't recall. I think it leads to the opposite side. So yes, you have permission. You can run fast in the cold, but you need footing and you need, <clears throat> you know, doable win. But the other side is that you also have permission to just work on metrics indoor during the winter. And right now our fitness ended, not everyone has a treadmill. I get that. I still think that most people would benefit from investing in a treadmill if you are in a financial place where you can do so. If not, obviously don't. But especially people with tight schedules or families or anything like that, a treadmill is an indispensable tool in my life. I understand not everyone can afford a treadmill and that's fine. But with the fitness industry, there are so many cheap gyms out there right now And what you give away in cheap gyms is usually free weights or Olympic lifting platforms or turf areas and sleds. They will all have treadmills. So in my opinion, winter is a time worth spending $20 to $40 per month on a gym membership if you don't have a treadmill. Because the opposite of I can't hit my metrics is that on a treadmill, you can micro dial in your metrics. You can sit at a specific heart rate or a specific effort or a specific pace without having to think. You can go all in on metrics and use it as a very specific tool all winter long. Yeah, I actually find myself getting very in touch with especially uphill work on the treadmill in the winter because I'm defaulting to it more. Mm -hmm. But that actually led me to one of the major points. I'm so uh, sorry. I've got to stop. Yeah, I've drank so much. I have to go to the bathroom right now. I'm going to explode. I've tried to make it. What? What? Okay. <laughs> this this is my, I'm in two and a half hours of podcasting. I've done nothing but drink caffeine. <laughs> I gotta go. go. Apparently Bracken has a little boy bladder or maybe he couldn't think of anything to say and he needed out. Just not clever enough to put together this conversation. I don't know. I mean, he had a break before this recording where he could have went to the bathroom. We've only been recording for like 15 minutes at most. It's called foresight, Bracken, planning ahead. You should have went to the bathroom before we started recording. Just like I tell people they need foresight with their workouts, right? Look at the weather, pick your days, shuffle the deck a little, have the foresight to get everything done so you're on schedule for the week. Bracken can't even have the foresight to go to the bathroom in time to be a responsible adult. It's ridiculous. Oh, hey, Bracken. I assumed you were going to talk the entire time i saw your mouth moving when i came back in Uh uh-huh guess i'm just gonna have to find out when i edit it oh yeah no i was just giving the people some really actionable items stuff (laughs) that they couldn't get if you were yeah you were along for the ride i was in full-on survival mode i have so much sweat in my lower half right now from fighting off the urge to go to the bathroom and with all this caffeine i really fought the good fight but like i was to the point i couldn't even think anymore (laughs) <laughs> you know what you'll just have you know your 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 ability to see ahead was poor today i did everything i th- I hit the bathroom in between our two episodes oh. <sighs> i don't know i don't know kirk life is hard <laughs> anyway um, you're getting in tune with your uphill <laughs> running and so here's what i, I want to make a kirk a kirk guarantee and you, hopefully you back me up on this i believe That speed work flat on the treadmill, of course, is advantageous, especially if you're trying to build trust with faster pacing that maybe you're not necessarily in touch with yet. I think it's a good, safe, objective way to do that. I also think it's largely a piss poor use of your time versus if you're stuck on the treadmill to work on your underlying grindy threshold stay power fitness versus turnover, which means incline sustained work where the heart rate gets up and it stays there. Yes, your turnover is slow. Uphill running is strength work in disguise. It's cementing your foundation to the rest of your year. And I think it is the, not excuse, but reason to choose the treadmill in the winter when you're not so keen on going outside. Great. Today's a durability day. I'm going up. I'm going to stay steady. And I know I can build off of this once the nicer weather in my races get closer. 
And I will guarantee you, so Kirk, guarantee that I believe you spend more time running uphill in the winter. Even if you only race flat, you will have a better season coming up than if you just don't go uphill on the treadmill at all. I believe that it will make you better the back half of your races. Your state power will be improved. And believe it or not, your turnover will end up following, but you'll have like more oomph behind it to sustain it longer. So I think this is a beautiful time of year. You usually get a thousand feet of vert a week. Great. Now you're getting 4,000. Somehow it will, it will contribute to even your flat speed. Um, and I've experienced that so many t- time and time again now. And what do you say, Bracken? You, uh, I don't think you hop on your treadmill less than 6% this time of year. Yeah. Something Six. like that. I've been about the same. I want to hear your thoughts on what I just said. Well, I agree. I firmly agree. And I'm going to preface this by, by just getting ahead of the, like the blowback of, you got to run outside. Yes. You got to get outside if you're going to race outside hundred percent. But what this does before I get into the nuts and bolts of the incline work is if you're doing purposeful work indoor, it gives you freedom to run as the weather and terrain presents itself outdoor. And that's what I'm experiencing right now. I'm doing two to three quality treadmill workouts per week. And I've been doing it for seven weeks now. When I get outside, I'm enjoying just plodding along, trying to get my feet turning over in the slop, running winter trails, a lot of snow running. I haven't seen the ground on the trail in two weeks. And I haven't felt any lack of fitness like, oh, I'm not getting anything out of it because I'm getting my engine work done already on the treadmill. It's permission to enjoy the run outdoor. And I believe that's key for my for lack of better terms, like mental relationship, mental health with the sport is I'm loving running outdoors and I'm putting work in indoors. And it's a very nice pairing. Enjoying. Uh, could you elaborate on that word? Like, yeah, with running outside. Yeah, I I'm enjoying running because I'm not thinking about anything important for the run. I just need time on feet. I can go move for an hour and whether that says eight minute per mile or what happened the other day, I think I had 13.55 per mile. It doesn't oh matter to me. I know I'm taking care of turnover three times per week on the treadmill. I know my lactate threshold is being improved. I know my lactate tolerance is improving. I know my cadence, like my form, my my pop off the ground, all of that is improving. So if I have three runs per week outdoor, where it's just not, there's not a single metric I can look to other than time, it's not stressful to me. I'm just running around out there, listening to an audiobook, looking at the snow and the trees, having a good, enjoyable time because there's no pressure associated with trying to get anything out of the run. Yeah. And this, that's sort of the thing right now. And maybe you're hearing this from some of your athletes or just rumblings from, you know, people in our circle, but you get this general set about now is when this happens. People say, I just feel like I can't access my speed or I feel so slow right now or X, Y, and Z. Like, I just don't feel like I did this summer, this last summer or fall. And you know what I say to that? Good. Good. Great. Great. Why on earth would you want to feel your fastest right now? Unless, of course, you have some A race that's a speed fest, you know, which mm-hmm. not many do right now. It's like people often believe they're so far removed from their top end potential this time of year. And you're three to six weeks away from layering in what you call speed work on top of what you're doing now. And you're PRing life PRs. It doesn't matter. It takes forever to build the foundation and then you can build up from there pretty quickly. And so like that whole, I feel slow or my metrics are behind or I'm so sick. And and, like people like allow, they kick themselves when they're down already. I didn't want to run outside. And then I did. And then my interval splits sucked. And like, I'm so slow right now. Mm -hmm. Be like, you don't need to beat yourself up like that. Like promise you it will come full circle. And so just like allow it to be what it is right now. Again, caveat being, if you have a sharp A race right now, then there's some different things you'd want to do. But right. point being like, that's okay. That's okay to feel that way right now. Do you feel like you could just go out and run slow forever right now, but you're not very fast? Beautiful. Yeah. That makes me very, that's exactly what I want to hear. Well, and here's the secret. There are very few secrets in running, but once you realize this about <clears throat> running, you're going to be better. The more work you put in running, obviously we know the longer you can you can kind of string out your progression. Like if I work a little less hard and do more of it, I can sustain that for longer and longer and longer until like I peak or tip or whatever it is. However, 
paired with that is the more sub-maximal work you can do, the less you have to sharpen. The bigger your sub-maximal engine and capacity gets, the faster you respond to sharp, fast work. If you're doing low mileage and you're doing moderately hard work to hard work pretty consistently, the sharpening process is difficult. You don't get big jumps forward by adding more speed to that. But if you do big volume, a lot of sub-maximal work, you respond very quickly to sharpening. So you can spend three months in winter feeling I'm not that fast and four weeks later feel extraordinarily fast. So more work now will translate to more response to speed later. And I think that's important to, to realize as a runner. The longer you spend going long and slow, and the key is to also have moderate in there, long, slow, and moderate, the longer you spend doing there, it doesn't mean the longer it will take to get speed back. It means the more your body is going to respond to the speed when it's reintroduced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's more like tr- practicing patience, trusting that yes. that process. And even, I think even three weeks out, notably saying, okay, today's the day I'm going to go rip now. Yeah. Whether it's on the treadmill or flat ground, like three weeks out. You'd be shocked at what actually happens. Suddenly it comes together on race. And you're like, well, that one, that was there. How did that happen? Be like, well, you laid it on top of a foundation that could support it. And that's why it turned around so quickly for you. So it's okay to feel slow right now. Right. <clears throat> and then the other thing um, would be like the constellation, like the treadmills, the constellation workout. It's like, ah, uh, it's zero degrees outside or it snowed. And I, I got a two hour long run. I don't want to like, I'm going to go on the treadmill. That's great. Fine. Okay. If that makes you happier. Great. I did the same thing this last week. I know you did a bunch as well. Um, but I really think like going on the treadmill, setting it to zero or 1% and just slogging is not only mind numbing, but it's very, it does not stimulate much. Yes. You're getting some aerobic benefit. You're losing some rear chain engagement because the belt's moving. And at that point, if you've decided, okay, you know what? It's just better that I stick to the treadmill today for many, whatever reason it is. Well, then give yourself some sort of uh, structure to that session versus Mm -hmm. turning on how I met your mother and just droning away, slogging along. Like this is the time for incline play. This is the time for um, just impromptu fart lick sessions or iPod shuffle music runs or you know, five minutes at 1%, five minutes at 5%, five minutes at 10%, go back down and restart. Just changing the stimulus so you're getting a little bit of everything in is going to help you like muscularly, efficiency-wise, mechanically for undulating terrain. Like don't go on there and just slog at 1%. I think that's a, it's a kind of a waste of time, especially if it's filling a void other than a recovery run, like your long run in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, Go play, even if there's no rhyme or reason to it. I just think it's important to do that versus just monotony. Yeah. People, when people complain about being bored to death by the treadmill, I think you're just running steady. I get it. If you have structure to follow in a workout, most people lose the boredom. Now there's something to focus on. I'm looking at the clock. I only have to sustain this for three minutes. Mm -hmm. Even aerobic intervals. Something I prescribe to a, a fair amount of my athletes. It's like... 30 seconds slower than marathon pace, three minutes on 15 seconds off, something like that. It's, it's not an interval workout, but it is by definition working for an interval, resting for an interval, and it changes it. We do that for an hour over the course of an hour. You lose like four minutes of running, but you were engaged for an hour and you're using a slightly better stride than you would have if you just plotted for an hour, same recovery. Same exact recovery protocols if you just ran easy for an hour. So I think that structured or unstructured, but interval-ish style is what the treadmills are made for. And to answer your question that you had before, which is, how do you feel about running at incline versus flat? In my opinion, at this stage in my running and coaching career, I think it's the only way to go if you don't have an extremely expensive treadmill. Because if you don't have extremely expensive treadmill, hopefully a slat-based treadmill or one with such a powerful bulletproof motor that you can actively count every second of the day, count on it being accurate and pacing, then there's no sense worrying about pace. 
but we have to worry about pace because it tells us pace. So I think the most important thing that I've done with my treadmill training is moving off of normal inclines. And for me, that is zero to one and a half and 15%. Because we know what zero to one and a half, what that pace equates to outside. And we don't want that playing with us because either the treadmill's wrong, it's too fast or it's too slow. And either way, it's not good for you. In 15%, you and I always know what 15% means because we equate it to treadmill challenge pacing. So I live between like at home, six and 12 and a half percent on all my interval work, or I'll do 20% for a lot of that. But I get off trail essentially with this, you get off beat, off timing in between inclines where you go to an incline that it means nothing to you to the average runner. What does three and a half percent incline mean for your pace? You have no clue. Good. Now stare at your heart rate or work on your effort. And day after day, week after week, stay at that three and a half or 7%. That's why I use 6%. It's high enough that it's not flat. It's low enough that I can run fast and I have no clue what my pace equates to. But mm-hmm. I know that if I was at seven miles per hour last week doing these and two weeks from now, I'm at 7.2 miles per hour, I am getting better. And it's not equated to any pace that matters to me. And so I have no expectations too high or too low, but I see that I'm improving. And then because I'm not trying to hit a pace, I'm just hitting an effort level. I'm not overworking for things. I'm happy to sit at 7.2 for two weeks and then bump up to 7.3 for a few weeks. It's much more sustainable, less stressful, and it's a way to build an engine, which is the proper way, which is never overwork, rather than having that pace be a temptation. Yeah, it gets rid of predisposition and expectations, which is freeing in its own right. When I first got my Nordic Track treadmill, uh, it came with a free year of the iFit app and you can go on like guided experiences. We'll call it like go run through Oahu or whatever. And you're like, okay, I'll run through central park. Like that sounds nice. And on recovery days, I would do that occasionally. And the incline changes on its own on the Mm. treadmill, the speed up and down changes. You don't touch anything, right? You sort of set your baseline and then it guides you through and it gave me permission to just enjoy and not overanalyze. Like treadmill went up to seven and a half percent. Well, that really bothers my OCD, but whatever. That's what's going to happen. And like mm-hmm. my pace didn't mean anything to me. And it just allowed me to sort of like enjoy it without even splitting hairs whatsoever. And that's the first time I, I was exposed to like those odd inclines. Like, why did it set me to 17 and a half percent? I don't know. And I wouldn't even tell you if what I'm doing is good or bad, but all I know is it's different and that's mm-hmm. novel and I'm okay with it. And I will also say that I bet you think back, Bracken, for yourself. Let's say the top 10 runs of your life that went by the quickest, not maybe your best workouts, but the ones where you're like, God, is my an hour in already? Like those, where do they happen for me? They've never happened on the roads. I'll tell you that no matter how good the day is going, they've happened on the trails or they've happened on the treadmill for me, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. A simple five, five uphill. Five minutes at 15%, five minutes at one, back and forth. Suddenly, I'm 75 minutes into a two-hour effort, and I'm like, where did that come from? People look at the treadmill as in like, every minute seems like 10 minutes. Every quarter mile seems like a mile. Which it does. I argue argue the opposite when it's correct, when it's (laughs) flat. And unbroken. I, I argue the opposite. I think my treadmill runs go the fastest because I'm never droning at 1%. And there's always, it's unbelievable. Yesterday's 75 minute recovery run, I was like, I could go for, I could have doubled it. No problem. I was engaged with whatever I was watching. I was playing around with what was happening. All of a sudden, 75 minutes, poof, gone. So you can change your outlook on the treadmills, point being. And you can mm-hmm. use it for either quality or recovery, but like it really isn't a death sentence for like your enjoyment. I, I in fact, I, I've rather enjoyed the variety of the incline work and variation. So I don't know about you, but have you had treadmill runs that go exponentially quicker than a lot of other efforts? For me, when incline play is involved in speed play, unbelievably quick. Yeah. Interval work. If I set out to outside run thousand meter intervals, let's say I'm doing eight to 10 by thousand. That is just such a big workout mentally for me, no matter what pace I'm running them at, knowing that I'm doing 10 by thousand. That's 10K of work. It's so much work. 
And by the time I'm on interval six or seven, I'm like, can I make it four more? Even if the pace isn't crazy, it's just a long, arduous workout. And when I go inside and let's say I do 10 to 12 by three minutes, I'm already doing 10 to 12 rather than eight to 10 because a three minute interval, or let's say I'm doing 330 to try to match what like low end of threshold will be outside. 330 sounds so much more achievable than 1000 meters. I don't know why that is. And now I do it uphill at 6% or 8% and you're not working like super fast, but I'm just watching my heart rate and maybe I have a race on and my watch is just beeping whenever it's time to get off and get on. I can tune out and just let my body do its thing because the treadmill will make sure my effort doesn't waver and my heart rate monitor will tell me exactly how I'm working and I don't have to worry about a thing. Suddenly I get to 10. I'm like, I think I can do two more. And then I stop when my body's ready to be done. Like, all right, my left hip is starting to fatigue rather than when my mind's ready to be done. It's the strangest thing. Mm-hmm. Again, not at 1%. Not, not at 1%. Dragging your feet. Because at right. 1%, what am I doing? I'm either plodding steady or I'm staring at my pace. When I go to 6%, I set it to the effort I want to be at and I just watch my heart rate on the screen. That's it. I just watch my heart rate. Yeah, general sentiment, and you've heard this from us before. If you're inside on the treadmill, even let's say you're, you know, today is, let's just use like cliche quarter mile repeats. It's quarter mile repeats. I got 16 of them with a minute rest, and it is zero degrees and blustering, like not going to happen. I would recommend 10 out of 10 times. Great. I'm going to set my treadmill at 10% today, and I'm going to do 90 second repeats with a minute rest. Don't just go inside and set the treadmill to zero or 1% and do your quarter mile repeats as they're prescribed or you're planning on outside. No, I think that's silly and a waste of time. I think you put that incline up, you simulate time wise and you keep the structure and format. And now you got two birds, one stone. You got the metabolic stimulus you were looking for because of the 90 second duration. You have climbing now involved. So you got a little more quad and glute engagement. So prep for any hills. and you didn't just sort of waste your time. So, like what I, to, if it's me, it's so unsatisfying to run fast and flat on the treadmill. For me, it is. Maybe I'm alone. Maybe other people, it's their, it's their happy place. For me, it just doesn't move my needle. And then I can't also contribute that workout to any other factors in my fitness other than like checking a box for the day. And I don't even know what I'm really accomplishing because let's be honest, flat running on the treadmill is not flat running outside. People cannot feel their pacing. It doesn't translate nearly as well as it should. Yes, it can help you with your turnover, but as far as knowing your body and knowing your effort outside, I think it does nothing. I think it actually does nothing for you translating to real terrain and running. So why don't get a little extra out of it and remove yourself from the flat, boring, basic metrics and just go uphill, time convert, and kill a bunch of birds with one stone. That's how I feel about it. So in that situation, that's my personal recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. If I have to choose and I do get to choose and I'm choosing to do this right now, I treat my treadmill right now as pure engine work. It's the Mm -hmm. only time in my week I'm really paying attention to heart rate. It's the only time I'm really paying attention to cadence, paying attention to clean form. And I am just worrying about nothing else. Yes. Building into my workout. I take the first one a little bit easier then I bump up a 10th and I bump up a 10th and I bump up a 10th and now I'm in my workout. And I've appropriately moved into it. And because I don't get rewarded for running any faster, a five minute rep is a five minute rep. Whether I, whether I go faster or not, it still takes me five minutes to get done. So I don't have that temptation of outdoors. Like if I run 10 seconds faster per mile and I've had a cooler split, like the the splits five minutes takes temptation away. And I just work on engine. And then when I get outside, I just work on the skill of running outside, no matter what the terrain Mm -hmm. temperature is, I just run time on feet. That's been the healthiest mental place for me of any of my winters of training recently. And it gets me looking forward to getting outdoors. I've been hitting a medium long to long run each week because I can't wait to get out there and just plot away in the snow for a while. I think that's a great place to be in. I'm separating the skill and engine of running with the time of running. And I just work on them as they are in their little vacuum. And then once every roughly three workouts, maybe four, I do one outside. Like I did this weekend, six by 1200 on snowy trails, not caring about anything other than forcing my body to do what it does indoor, outdoor, who cares about the pace, make my hamstrings engage, make my hips stabilize, 
under pace, under load. And I feel really whole as an athlete right now. And you can do the reverse of that if you want to. Use your treadmill to get your mileage in and just thrash yourself with no goal of pace outdoor. It doesn't really matter. The point is this, is that you have permission to do one thing and do it really well and let the other tool take care of the other side of the coin. You mentioned the other side of the coin. That's exactly where I was going to go with this. Okay. So we talk about treadmill belt running and our philosophies there. If you're inside, right? Clean Mm -hmm. running. That's very clean running. doesn't get much cleaner than running on the treadmill. So let's talk about using the outdoor situation, the snow, the cold, the elements, the ice. Now let's talk about using that to your advantage, right? We are, I think we honed in enough on the treadmill and you know, I can, I can give one very clear example immediately from the last two weeks for me. So we had this conversation on the podcast a couple of weeks ago where we, we reviewed our 2023 racing seasons Hmm. and I outlined to you, like before one of my trail races, these were my long runs. And then before the next trail race, which I nailed, these were my long runs and I was using the weather as an excuse before an April trail race. I just ran on the roads and cut my long run somewhat shorter and then got to the trails very last minute before the race and, you know, sort of patch jobbed my durability. I said, I'm not going to do that this year. The last two weekends in miserable, 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 negative 12 is what I ran in on Friday for my long run on the snowy trails. Mm -hmm. And two weeks prior, we had just a dusting of snow, not much. And I had good footing and I ran the route. It's a trail racing route, 15 to almost 16 miles, about two and change of vert. Ran it two hours and four minutes, two, two hours and two minutes. The next week we got some snow. This is last Friday. I went out there. I ran the exact same route in two hours and 13 minutes. I got 10 extra time on feet with the same effort due to conditions. Do you think 10 extra time minutes on feet would translate eventually if I just put in a little extra 10 minutes every weekend? And that was just purely due to conditions, slipping in place, running through the snow, same effort, 10 minutes more. I got on feet. How Mm -hmm. is that not a win? On top of that, after long run one in terrain in which I had some traction in long run two, I was practically running in place up some of the climbs. My calves were more ripped up. My hamstrings were more ripped up and the distal end of my quads climbing also a little more burnt out. Yet I ran 10 minutes slower, got 10 minutes more on foot and my ankles were sore the next day. I had lower calf, upper Achilles, like tenderness. Some could label I mean, I came out of it. It was normal workout soreness, but I just got a chance to work a number of things in my lower body and rear chain that wouldn't have gotten touched if I had good traction. And so Mm -hmm. suddenly I spent 10 more minutes on feet. I felt a bit more damaged afterwards due to the rear chain involvement, the slipping, all of that. And suddenly I'm looking at this and like, so what if I ran slower? Think of the tangibles or the intangibles really of what that snowy run did for me. And like, how's that not a win? Go out and embrace that. Use your body in a way in which is going to bulletproof you for cleaner conditions once racing comes. And it's like, duh, how is that not a win all around? I can't think of one reason that that wasn't better for me than the previous week. People would counter that with, well, yeah, if you're preparing for trail racing, but if you want to run crisp and clean and fast in spring, my example for that will be that I cramped one time in college, five years of college, four years of competing as a runner, as a mid-distance runner, 800 meters, 1500 meters. I cramped one time in college and it was during my first snowy run. We ended up going 90 minutes because we went out to do our 10 mile loop and it snowed six inches, like pretty much during the course of the run with drifting across the roads and everything. We're out at UW Whitewater. There's a lot of farmland around there. My feet were slipping on every stride and I had to engage my rear chain to move forward in the snow. And by the end, my hamstrings and everyone around me were twinging. And the next run out, they weren't twinging as much. And by the end of the winter, that was my first winter really training in college. They didn't twinge at all. And you know what happened that spring in track? I didn't tie up on my rear chain the same way I did the year before. Yeah, did I bring in more fitness? Sure. But at the end of big races, I was tying up as a whole body 
equally rather than extra in my hamstrings because they already knew how to engage under duress. I was running races that were taking anywhere from a minute and 52 seconds to four minutes and 18 seconds, where hundredths or tenths of seconds per lap made all the difference in the world. And snow running that winter changed me as a track runner in the two to four minute range. So if that helped me run indoor and outdoor track for two to four minutes at a time, if you want to run a spring 5k or 10k, my answer is your argument is solid, but invalid. This will still help you as a runner. Because everything you can recruit under duress is the same thing you have to recruit muscle-wise at the end of a race. And now, it's more used to being used, and it can provide more to you. Just from perspective alone, like if the stride feels like so much work in the snow and crap, perspectively, when you get on a clean, pristine road or track, just the perspective mentally, forget what physiological adaptations have, and it feels so much less costly and freeing. That absolutely translates to running faster and efficiently outside, even if the strides couldn't be more different. And I would also argue, and this may be unpopular, and you could fight me. I could see you fight me on this. Maybe not. I don't know. Let's see how let's see how this plays out. I think shitty conditions, snow in particular, is actually a rev limiter on how hard you can work aerobically. It's like quicksand. The harder you work, the less purchase you get. It's like It doesn't translate one-to-one. On the road, I run hard and I push off and I get all my return on investment. Running in snow or going uphill in snow in particular, the harder you work, the less you see your speed increase. Like, I don't know how that conversion works, but you get what I'm saying at. The harder you work, like the less return you get on your investment. It's like you just slip more. You just like, it's, it's almost forces you in this time of year, it's good to just sit in it and sort of, slow down and lower your rev limiter. My snowy run versus my run where I had more purchase, my heart rate was no, I couldn't get my heart rate to elevate the same because I couldn't engage Mm -hmm. the same way. And it actually, believe it or not, although conditions would tell you it was harder, it put a rev limiter on my aerobic output. And Mm -hmm. I know that seems silly and you might not even be able to make sense of it, but when you can't fully reach, contract, engage, I see my heart rate have a harder time spiking. And for things like a long run or a midweek long run or things like that, I think that's very valuable this time of year because you're getting structural work, mechanical, biomechanical, soft tissue work, while at the same time, like not having the aerobic cost. And for me, it couldn't be more, it couldn't be more clear. I had the same mental perceived effort in both runs. One of my runs was like nine or 10 beats a minute higher on flat on the the run I had purchased on the one I didn't, I couldn't really access it. And I didn't have to, although the same RPE. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to look at that as a negative or positive, but for me, that absolutely, I've noticed it time and time again, bad purchase equals lower heart rate. Have you noticed that? I think there's a little window where it's the inverse and that's like running easy pace will get me aerobic threshold heart rate. But then once I go past that, I can't get any higher without like sprinting you can only sprint in the snow for a few seconds and it's done like there's you can work easy you can work moderate even whilst thinking this shouldn't be moderate and then that's it you don't get above moderate heart rate super easy in the snow the heart rate will want to shoot up a little quicker in the beginning but like if i'm trying to access like some real vo2 max work or something Mm -hmm. it squashes that right away best case scenario i'm somewhat low threshold sustained and it's just an interesting note i would agree with you about Easy running, it might elevate heart rate, but like anything moderate or you're trying to work, it's going to say, eh, why don't you just, we're going to stop you right here. Yeah. It's too costly muscularly to try to keep this heart rate up. I look, I look at snow, mud, and really rocky technical terrain like swimming. So just hear me out on this one. If you swim and you are not a swimmer and you just want to race to the end of the pool, you can just thrash as hard as you want and get there moderately fast. That's like running through technical stuff. It'll allow you to thrash for a little bit and you'll be kind of fast through it, but you're going to blow up instantly. But if you can learn to do it really smooth and relaxed at a moderate pace, you can do it for longer. And then when you go to ramp it up a little bit, it costs you so much less energy. And now you can access real speed through there. Like the fast swimmers are the smooth swimmers. 
And the really good technical trail runners or mud runners or snow runners don't look like they're trying to run hard. You look at them and think, how are they moving like that through that terrain? You never think, wow, they look fast. You think, how do how are they staying upright doing that? How are they moving quick looking like that? So you have to learn how to go smooth through there first, which requires taking your time through there before you can learn to do snow workouts or mud workouts with long, like someone could go thrash through technical terrain for a quarter mile. Can you do a 2K repeat on that? No, you can't be relaxed enough to do that. You're just going to burn out on that and then it's going to be terrible. So learning to go smooth through the snow or the bad weather will allow you to do faster with less effort later. It's kind of the opposite of lifting where you lift really heavy and hard to go easier with less load. It's the inverse in technical. Spend some time on feet in technical or really cold or really sloppy now so that you can actually do legit work later. So when you go run like... um just to keep elaborating or expanding on this thought, because I'm sure some people are shaking their head at me anyways, being like, no, like when I run in the snow, my heart rate gets jacked and you're wrong. Yeah. Which is fine. I'm talking about the top, the top end, like top end of threshold and higher. Um, you went out and did your three minute repeats or whatever it was. What'd you 1200 meter repeats in the snow? Yeah. Um, pacing, obviously fairly irrelevant. What did you notice with your, with your heart rate data compared to let's say a traditional road workout? Well, if I do it incorrectly, which is what I did on my first uphill rep, it shoots up right away and then I have to back off because my muscles get overwhelmed. It's burning too much. And then because you're not on smooth terrain, you can't back off like half a tick and settle in. You have to back way off until you recover mm -hmm. and then ease back into it. So it requires me to build into a snow workout. You almost have to learn that day's technique before you can start running harder. So if my goal is to average, let's say 160 to 163 on my heart rate, I've got to start at 50, 53, my first rep or two, learn the section of the trail, learn how the snow is responding that day, and then move it up to 55, 58. And then by the end, be working at 60 to 63 and take all the benefits of that. But if I try to start at that same effort that got me 60 to 63 at the end, it'll give me 170 and I'll burn out ASAP. Mm -hmm. So I have to, I have to ease into it, which again, makes it a more sustainable workout. If I would, if I did six reps, which is what I did, only four of them are really at the effort I wanted to be at. The first two are in between, which still gives you a lot of benefit, but now it's less recovery. And so it gets you through the winter feeling a lot better. Mm -hmm. You'll sometimes hear that about people who introduce inclined treadmill work for the first time in their running. Yeah. It's sort of similar. They'll have the same experience where they're like, like I was dying, but my heart rate was like 10 beats a minute lower than like I would see outside for a tempo run. And now I'm like sitting at 165 and I cannot sustain this because their legs muscularly are requiring more output. And it's unsustainable because of a muscular fatigue standpoint mm -hmm. until you get really good at climbing and uphill running. Sometimes the treadmill is indeed that same heart rate limiter because you fail elsewhere than your aerobic system first. And I really think that's a good thing this time of year, especially if races are a ways off, right? That's just more cement on the foundation, in my opinion, before you build the house. I um, think the single greatest way to get a great workout in is to ease into it. And both treadmills and bad terrain require me to do that. If I jump in right at the pace I want, it's not going to be a great workout. If I jump in two tenths below that on the miles per hour on the treadmill, it's going to be a great workout. If I jump mm -hmm. in five beats below that on the trails in the snow, it's going to be a great workout. And so I'm going to use a personal uh, example here. And I alluded towards this in the beginning, but it has to do with pacing for a workout I ran today versus... Okay, I had these two slog, snowy long runs out on the trails. I ran slow by my standards. My last quality session, Bracken, last week, 30% incline intervals. 500, 400, 300, 200, 100 foot gain intervals, two rounds of each. I died a slow, beautiful, miserable death. It was terrible. Mm -hmm. I was down at one point when I cracked to two miles per hour. At one point after I tipped over, okay, two miles an hour, okay? Now, the week before was also 30% interval. Didn't touch flat, fast, nothing. My long run was a snowy slog with vert. I haven't done anything flat, fat, and fat. 
quite flat and fast since before Christmas. So you get the point. It's been over four weeks. One would say, well, of course, you're not going to feel fast or be fast or whatever. When I went outside today for my first quality session on open cement in five weeks, I think it is. I ran it two miles an hour, if you want to call it that, last week for my quality session. Right. That's two miles in one hour pacing. Okay. And I would say I'm not predisposed to speed anymore at 40 years old. It's not my, my old strength is now probably my weakness, raw speed. And I went out and did a mile on, a mile off by five on the roads today. My last mile was 5.07. Okay. What is that? That's 12 point something miles per hour average for let's call five minutes. Last week, I was running at 2.0 at 30%. Tell me that doesn't set me up to still generate power, keep an efficient stride on flat ground, and it is still there. I was running 10 miles an hour faster than I was one week ago today, and it was still there, okay? Not saying I nailed the workout and not saying, like, I'm not going to get faster, but the foundation is still the foundation. Tell me how that is possible. How did that incline work harm me? It didn't. In fact, it probably saved the legs a little bit, worked my engine just as well. And when it's time, it's going to be time for me to build on that. And even these mile repeats, so to speak, it was there. It was there because all the pieces were really, the puzzle pieces were put into place and the systems were used, whether I was running fast and flat on cement or uphill at 30% in such a slog, it was embarrassing. And I just want to use my personal example. I went out there today and I was like, you know what? As much as I believe in this, I don't know what I'm going to get today. I, I actually don't know. I've been sick. I haven't run flat. I haven't run fast. And I go out there. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, duh. You're just following your own principles. Mm-hmm. And it's still that you're going to be just fine. What are, you, what are you worried about? And so not to go too far down a rabbit hole of myself, but I literally just experienced this. It was five weeks between flat sessions. That's a lot. That's a perfect example to close on because we started by saying this is going to be a kick in the seat for some people. And it's going <laughs> to be a permission for even more people. That's permission. Spend two out of three or three out of four just working on moving your heart rate up in a clean area or vice versa. Three out of four, moving it up in a nasty area and touch upon the one thing you don't want to erode from time to time. And by the end of the winter, because you spend so much time just working on two little pieces, you're still there as a runner, but you bring more to the table now. You can always sharpen back the things that need sharpening. But now is the time to build. Flat running is like a like a pretty girl with no substance. Incline running is like a pretty girl with a personality. So you can back it up with stay power that endures more than the first date or the one night stand. And I believe that the incline power and the the working the muscular strength along with the aerobic, which flat doesn't do as nearly aggressively, is is the the total package, Bracken. That's the one you want to sell down with long term for the long haul. I agree. We said it before. You can race down from uphill work to flat on a much quicker timetable than you can change from a flat ground runner to an uphill runner. You can have a little bit of success right away in either one, but you're going to adapt to the flats much quicker than you're going to adapt to long, grindy uphill stuff. And in the winter, you don't want to mess with your your pace metrics too much. Look at your heart rate. Look at your effort. Get on that in-between incline, something that tells you nothing about pace, and just focus on a single variable and extend that over the winter. Preach. All right. I know we have our timeline. I just realized in our new recording software, it doesn't show us what time it is. No, it doesn't. You That's gotta, dangerous. You got you to go get to the kids, I believe, from school. So I think this is going to have to be a wrap. Well, good work today. It's good seeing you again. Congrats on your five-by-mile workout. <laughs> My off-miles were notably slower. It's okay. You don't have to pat me on the back. Well, Kirk, I'm doing something similar. The the other, the final thing we didn't really talk about is just like pick your day of weather that there's a window and go rip. Yep. That's my next stage. I've had seven weeks of sub threshold work, most of it on the treadmill, tying it in with sloppy trail running. The next time that I have a decent weather and clear roads, I'm going outside and I'm going to find something out about what do I have right now. It'll be a great experiment. You'll have to follow up in our whatever episode we record afterwards because yeah. I'll be very curious. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to feel like there has to be something I've built, but I have no clue what that is. I'm trusting the process, but from time to time, you need a data point. So that's stage two for me here. 
Sweet. Yeah, you can't tell what the house is really going to look like when it's only been foundationed and framed. Now we got to put a little siding on there. Put some That's little right. see what see what we're really working with. All right. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Till what our Friday episode, I suppose. Till Friday. 